Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and we got some skilly, skilly, skilly stories for you today, my boys and girls. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little creepy and weird. <laughs> But anyways, how's everybody doing today, ma'am? Sorry I'm late. I'll be glad when these holidays over and I get back to my regular schedule. But I got a treat for you today, guys. Uh, like I said, sorry I'm late. But I've been kind of busy going back, seeing which uh, episodes were like the biggest ones this year. And it's episode 138. And 169. So I'm going to play them today. So this is going to be a real long episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, just want to say thank you once again, guys. Uh, my year-end wrap-up is looking great. My uh, followers went up 17%. My downloads are really, really going up. And I just want to say thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sticking with me this year. I know I had a change from Wednesday to Saturday. And I'm still kind of late sometimes on it. So just thank you for bearing uh, with me and hanging with me and going along this uh, journey with me, guys. I want to say thank you so much. It's been a great year and I look forward to keep doing this. And don't forget, this year we'll be coming up on our fourth year anniversary for the show. So... I hope you guys enjoy the show. Sorry I'm late. I got a special one, though, for you today. Like I said, I went and did my research when I did my year-end wrap-up stuff. And I noticed these episodes y'all really like. So I'm going to play them. And like I said, thank you. Thank you so much. Like I said, we're getting heard around the world, not just in America and Canada. Germany especially, Australia, Spain, I want to say thank you. And especially Germany, one more time, especially the community of uh, Hess. They're really uh, like on my podcast, and I want to say thank you very much to them people there. And just thank you everywhere. I've noticed my, like I said, the numbers are great. I'm freaking pumped. I want to try uh, this next year coming up to get a new, uh, to get a pot, to get a uh, website going. And maybe start selling some shirts or something. So, and I still would really like to hear you, you, uh, you guys' experiences with ghosts or something. Just uh, like I said, shoot me, uh, find me on Facebook, Ghost Stories Told from the South. My uh, email account is all lowercase Ghost Stories Told from the South at gmail dot com. Reach me there. Tell me your story, and I'll talk about it on the show, ma'am. But I really want to get more involved with you fans out there and stuff. So y'all tell me what you think about the show. If it sucks, it sucks. That's all right. That's one thing you got to learn when you start doing stuff like this. Putting yourself out there. You got to learn how to take criticism. So if you fucking hate the show and try to listen to it, I'm sorry. But if you like it, thank you. Thank you very much. But without further ado... Let's get into episode 39. And this one I was talking about uh, government buildings here in the state of Texas that are haunted. 
So without further ado, get yourself a nice warm blanket. Poke the fire a little bit. Get you some hot coffee or cocoa <coughs> or tea, whatever you prefer your beverage to be. But prepare to get scared. So relax, hit play, and uh, let's get scary. All right, guys, here we go. This is episode 139. This one's a frick. I didn't write down... When this one was recorded or the other one. I just wrote down the episode and what they were talking about. But here we go, guys. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you at the end of this episode to bring in the next one. So I'll see you at the end of this one, guys. Bye. Hope you enjoy it. Well, hello. And welcome back to another Scary, scary edition of ghost stories told from the south. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth. And we got some, some uh, scary, scary stuff for you today. <laughs> well, hope everybody's having a great week at work so far. And I do hope your new year is going good. This is like day three of the new year. Hard to believe it's already 23, 2023 crazy when i was growing up in the 80s i never thought about 2023 never even thought about 2020 never thought about nothing in the 20s but anyways i hope everybody's doing great i'm gonna say thanks man the numbers are still growing little by little so keep liking and keep telling your friends about it and i hope i'm doing some good stories for you but yeah sorry if the new year's one sucked I'm going to start doing some better stories. I just was trying to do something for New Year's, but there really ain't shit. So I'll just keep it to my ghost story stuff. <laughs> but like I said, I'll just stick to that. I want to thank you guys, like I said, for everybody who listens and stuff. And thanks for the support. And I, like I said, I'm being heard all around the world, and it's freaking cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But. I'm glad you're liking the YouTube videos. I'm going to try to start doing more videos of the podcast, too. So, yeah. All right. Well, I guess if it's that time, guys, I've got all the uh, thank yous and stuff out. And wherever you're listening, whatever country, thank you very, very, very much. <clears throat> like I said, don't be uh, shy. Find me on Facebook. And then you can... Uh, DM me and tell me about a ghost story or something you want me to talk about on the show. So, Or if there's some ghost in your neighborhood, some kind of legend or urban legend or something, tell me about it. But without further ado, guys, go ahead and get you a nice blanket. Snuggle up with some nice warm coffee or some cocoa by the fire. And let's start the scary stories. What do you say? Okay, our first story is the Milam County Jail. And this one's, uh, of course, these are all in Texas, so. All right, what do we got here? 126-year-old Milam County Mansion was set, well, ugh. Mansion was our, excuse me, let me start this over again. 
126-year-old Milam County Mansion has several ghost stories to tell. The clock in the downstairs hall strikes two as two men keep an all-night vigil over a dead family member. member. A violent storm raked outside and broke the stillness of the night with the loud interruption of thunder. Suddenly, upstairs in the darkness, a brass music box began to play, vibrated into action by the thunder. The family uh, uh, reasoned the tale of of ghostly music is one of several such stories to surface in the history of the 126-year-old W.C.J. Wilson home in the uh, Salem County house in Paul Nuberus Cousins who own the land. The the Southern Connolly ma- uh, Mansion could be haunted. Could be haunted, says neighbors, who admits he believes in ghosts. On several occasions, uh, while in in while he has been working alone, repairing the old house, he was uh, he has fer- heard footsteps as if someone was to be on the first floor walking around. He says, I have never seen one, do you know, the ghost, but I, ha- I have heard them. And when I start hearing them, I leave, uh, I leave, Nober said. I would not stay in the old house by myself at night for a $500 bill. This guy's pretty scared of the place. I just hear things, people walking upstairs, footsteps coming down the stairs. When the footsteps hit, that top step that's when i leave though vacant for vacant for nearly 20 years the mansion has a is now home for a tennessee couple well what the oh a couple from tennessee i take it modern day uh, pioneers who asked not to be identified since the house since the uh, couple moved into the uh, house about six weeks ago with their dog, Bonnie, they, they too have encountered strange uh, occurrences. Recently, at the stroke of midnight, the couple heard the dog run downstairs as only to look up and see the dog sitting in the uh, bedroom. Well, he's a crafty little dude. I heard every step she took down the steps, the woman said, but I raised up and and looked, and Bonnie was just sitting there. But something heavy went down those steps. The mysterious occurrences have not frightened the couple away. They would only, They would rather live in the old house, haunted or not, than in modern brick box than in a modern brick box, the woman said. That's pretty ballsy. She'd much rather live there in that old house than in the city, basically. That's pretty cool. The plantation house was built by William Sewell Goodhoe Wilson, made of uh, cypress. 
hauled by wagon from Houston. The mansion was finished in 1856, and it was constructed. Then in 1859, Wilson brought his young bride, Lizzie Ledbetter Wilson, from Tennessee to make their home in Milliam County. <clears throat> the two-story home includes a uh, weaving room where clothes was uh, made for bedrooms on the second floor and two large parlors downstairs. There are also two smaller rooms on the first floor. Double doors on both floors provide a means to cool the uh, home. Fireplaces in the house can accommodate four-foot logs. Hmm. Large windows in every room of the house still are framed with frigid green shutters. Closets in the upstairs bedrooms are added were added years after the house was complete. Neighbors uh Narber said bricks for the chimney in the front walk were homemade in the plantation brickyard near the little river neighbors said spurs and horseshoes were made in the blacksmith shop near the plantation's log barn. Of course, those days, of course, in those days, people had to be self-reliant, and you had to make your own stuff. Miss House said, "I do indeed, Miss House." The the brick walk leading up, leading to the front porch of the Wilson home, was led by Miss. Mrs. House's father, John W. House, a trusted friend of the Wilsons, of the Wilsons' uh, house who worked at the plantation for many years. There was a huge place, Miss House said. I did not know how many uh, acres they owned, but there were, uh, they were all fixed. Neighbors currently work to renovate the uh, mansion, now modernizing with electricity and plumbing. I have never restored it to a hundred percent, but I just wanted to keep it up for uh, keep it from falling down. If I can, neighbors said, a lot of times I came I came out by myself to work. Sometimes I had a couple of friends to help me. Charles uh, Charles Bradley of the temple in L.D. Hill of Cameron, Cameron, I'm sorry, of Cameron. They like that, sh uh, they like that sort of thing. Inside the house, neighbors pointed out a rocking chair on a pole street in the, uh, uh, pole street in Cowhide, which it's, is believed to have been made in the 1820s and brought to Texas by a covered wagon. Most of the antique furnishings have been donated to the West Texas Museum at Texas, Texas Tech University in Lubbock. Many antique furnishings and items, however, have been stolen from its Wilson home. Over the uh, past few years, neighbors said, iron cookware and old finished crock uh, telephones were among the items taken, he said. Once while exploring the old building in the estate, neighbors found an original Ely. 
Don't know what that is. An Ailey Whitney, Whitney cotton gin believed to be one of three such as machines still in, intact in the United States. The gain has been donated to the West Texas Museum. Over gins are exhibited at the oh they are exhibited at the Smithsonian Institute at Henry Ford Museum's neighbors said. The double doors that open into the main hall of the house are original. One door bears a sign of repair made shortly after the house was completed. During a storm, a lightning bolt surfaced a or struck a tree limb that struck the uh, door, breaking several uh, boards, Mrs. House said. While restoring the mansion, neighbors discovered a board covered with dates and, man, this one's pretty long, with dates and information about the construction of the house which was supervised by Everett E. Handwritten a letter dated from 1856. Ordering glass for the windows was discovering in an, in an old trunk. The glass order came by, by ox cart, neighbors said. I guess they figured the glass would be broken by the time they got it here. Exploring the dusty contents of the old trucks, neighbors found a Bible that had belonged to Judge R.B. Baylor, a lawyer and district judge and active politician who founded the Baylor University. <clears throat> the Bible was left by Baylor, who perhaps was an overnight guest of the Williams uh, neighbors said. Also found the estate was the diary of a physician who kept a written account of his travels to Texas frontier during the 1830s. The Wilson Plantation was established on land donated by the Spanish government to W.W. W. Lewis, Mrs. House said. They, you know, the Wilsons, also had a big farm up in the Wilson Cyclone area, she said too. Wilson died in 1896. Mrs. Wilson, prior to her death in 1921, divided the land. Some of the land that included the family home was willed to was willed to a house. Another portion of the uh, vast tech, a vast estate was left to the city of Cameron, who served as Wilson's. Led, led better parks. The Wilsons had no children, so the remaining land was given to their two relatives. She, Mrs. Wilson, worried about what to do with the place. She loved it so much, she left some of it to us, Mrs. Miss House said. Situated on Cemetery Hill about... Uh, about 200 yards from the Little River is the Wilson Family Cemetery. The last family member was buried in the cemetery in 1901, neighbors said. The first family went to be buried at the uh, remote graveyard. Excuse me, that was rude. 
was William B. Wilson, who was born December the twenty fourth, December twenty fourth of seventeen eighty two, and died a, died in April April sixth of eighteen forty six. <clears throat> this is getting old. Neighbors said, as he pointed out, the huge ornate marker. This cemetery is the oldest I know in central Texas. Many of the graves are sorted by decorative iron fences, shuttered in thorn-covered vines, and shaped by tall elm and post-oak trees. Although several small rounded tombstones are visible in the weed-choked cemetery, most markers are impressively, impressively designed, Harbor said. One marker more than eight foot tall is decorated with a strange carving. I haven't figured out this decoration, neighbor said. It looks like they uh, draped a blanket over a post and put some flowers on the side. I have never seen anything like it. No flowers or no shrubs bloom in the spring at the cemetery. The rocky uh, terrain is too dry. For flowers to grow, neighbors said. Many children are buried in the cemetery. Their tiny graves are all in the row and face east. The small grave of Maggie E. E. Machine, who died at the age of two, is marked with a small white stone decorated with a carving of a lamb. The Empeth readings are or reads, this is what her tombstone says, Our daughter has gone ahead to meet us on the uh, blessed shore. The grave was surrounded with a small log fence, which is now uh, decayed. Well, that sucks. Well, I'm sorry. I got that one wrong. I thought I was looking up stuff about a man, about a haunted uh, prison. But hey, man, it's all good because I still got some stuff to talk about for the prison. But that was a cool house. That was a house here in Texas. <clears throat> and this is about the uh, Malam County Jailhouse. It's hard to talk about the Malone County Courthouse without some mention of the 1895 uh, Re Revival Revival Jailhouse, used now as the Malone County Historical Museum. The red brick building, catty-cornered to the courthouse, looks more like a castle than a jailhouse. The ghost of a man hung there supposedly still walks among the uh, long empty cells. Patrons have felt his presence as they down, descended down the narrow metal steps from the gallows to the top of the building. Because of your excellent Malam County Jail ghost story, I went, this is another guy saying he went there. I went to the uh, county jail, and you're right. There is most definitely a ghost there. We were, we were the only visitors there that day. Yet the entire time we were there, we kept hearing footsteps, sometimes, pa sometimes pacing, 
sometimes racing up and down the spiral staircase and around and around the cell blocks. My friend and I fully expected to come to face-to-face encounter with another visitor. What with all the racket going on out there, but like I said, if he turned out we were the only one, the only visitors there that day. That's pretty creepy. So yeah, go uh, check out that place. See if you uh, see any ghosts. All right, going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash, the most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about, and who is this some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We gonna get funky like a monkey on some ton of dreams. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of borderline Texas trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around, and my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana, and he calls sometimes. We have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline. Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy. Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> Come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. All right. Well, I'm back. Our next story is the McCulloch County Jail. And this is in, oh, yeah. Brady, Texas, and it looks like it was built in 1878. All right, well, let's get on with it. Shortly after taking office in December of 1989, McCulloch County Judge Randy Young was working late in the courthouse 
where he became distracted by noises coming from above. I was bothered by constant banging and sounds of many people running across the room. He recalled, Young assumed the... He assumed it was the cleaners that was coming from the third floor extension office, extension office where 4-H students conducted regular meetings. The clutter continued until about 11 p.m. Young decided to pay a visit to the 4-H leaders and advised them to send the uh, children home to, uh, to bed. I left my office and climbed the stairs to the third floor to find the lights out and the offices closed. Young said, now meeting, no meeting had been, no meeting had been held. The judge's encounter with the unexplained is just one event of strange, of the abnormal occurrences that have, that has left some occupants occupants of the uh, McCulloch County uh, Courthouse to wonder just what, or rather who, is lurking nearby. Rumors of the courthouse ghost have flooded, or floated around for years. However, a snapshot taken by tourists in August of 2004 of the children by the Heart of Texas the Heart of Texas Monument on the courthouse lawn. Trig, trig new internet, triggered, oh, triggered new internet and the phenomenons. The picture captured in the, cap, the picture captured an image in the window of the south side of the building and the, in that looked like the man peering out, a man peering outside. An individual from the commu uh, community called the uh, Ghost Seekers of Texas. A team of researchers and investigators of County Clark. Tina Smith. Make sure I got this right. Tina Smith referred the group to the commissioner's court, which granted the Ghost Seekers permission to monitor the courthouse. The ghost seekers have made four visits to the, to the McClocky, uh, McClock, McClock, McClock County Courthouse and plan to return to the new, oh, and plan to return in the near future. They firmly believe that there is activity <laughs> and several spirits in the courtroom. Smith said, like the county judge, Smith had a close encounter of the spooky kind soon after taking the oath of office. She was in the uh, vault of the county clerk's office where public records are housed. Speaking with two attorneys who did not agree with a record on file, they were they were being mean. She recalled, and at 
the time it really shook me up. The trio the trio was standing by two long tables in the vault with one man in front of one man in front of another man on the on the right. All of these said in one of the books from a shelf high over or flew high over their heads flew out and slammed into the table. We all just kind of looked at each other. Smith remembered one of the men said that that nearly hit me. Oh, that nearly hit me on the that nearly hit me on the head. And all three were silent and Smith walked out of the room. Man, that's pretty crazy. Could you imagine sitting there being a full-blown conversation and a fucking book comes just seeming by your head? It's crazy. I'd have pooped my pants. Where was I at? Okay. They were never ugly to her again, she said. Many courthouse employees have heard unexplained noises, especially those who work near the vault where the public records are. Many courthouse employees oh, <laughs> records are held on rollers. When the rollers are pulled out, the wheels make a squeaking noise. Every now and then, employees will hear the familiar squeaking and proceeded to the vault to see that uh, nothing uh, has happened. Sometimes they go to look and there's no one there, like I said, said, Smith said. Another odd occurrence including includes the pro, uh, pronounced aroma of gard, gardenia just floating through the air or a very strong cigar smell. Smith said... Even though there is no smoking allowed in the courthouse, you can still smell like cigarette, not cigarette smoke, but cigars. One day, the elevator, uh, one day, the elevator service technician came to came to have Young sign his inspection report and asked the judge if he had any, if he's had any problems. Young said he never rode the uh, elevator and was therefore unaware of the uh, of any problems. I also mentioned mentioned that it gave me the creeps when the elevator periodically cycled to each floor uh, floor late at night, causing me to go to the hall to check to see who was in the uh, courthouse which was automatically secured, it looks, Young said. When I found no one, no one exiting, exiting the elevator, I concluded that the elevator must automatically run to circulate the oil. He continued the inspection, chuckled and said, there's no automatic ceiling uh, uh, on the uh, on on that elevator, it only runs if someone pushes a f uh, floor button. The gold seekers have not yet to offer a firm explanation for those in uh, unusual events. 
<clears throat> and Ed Hernandez, a reporter for the Brady Standard, the Brady Standard Herald, who was accompanied by a six-person research team on one of their stakeouts in the courthouse. And they said they found some more stuff, and they just kept getting good voices on the EVPs and all that, they said. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that little bit story. Uh, let's see. I'm going to skip this one, I think. Yeah. Now, I think we're going to do... Ticka, ticka, ticka. Where is this one? Gonzala County. Oh, here's more of the... Uh, here's a... Okay. So I still got some to go. Well, all right. That sounds like a good deal. So let's get with the new one. Okay. Now we're going to go over the Gonzala County Courthouse. Or the the old, the old uh, Gonzales Jail is what we're going to do. Now it's a museum. Excuse me. Ew. But here we go. The Haunted Gonzales County in Jail Museum. For over 70 years, prisoners have hung on the gallows at the old Gonzales, at the old Gonzales, Texas jail. Many visitors have heard, have, ugh, many visitors have witnessed strange and eerie things of the years, or through the years. The prison is considered to be one of the most haunted places in Texas. A visit to the Gonzales County Jail Museum gave me insight to the life its former inmates and death its former inmates and the death of those who had a date with the uh, gallows. In other words, they got executed. They got hung. All of these ceilings are made of cauterized uh, steel and concrete. On the lower floor are display cases for the articles taken from the prisoners. Information on the sheriff's deputies and other law enforcement officials who served through the years are there too. At the end of the hall is the dungeon where only well, where the only light light and air came from holes above the door. There is a jailer's a jailer's bedroom and the woman in a woman in these and a woman in one of the cells. The second and third floors featured a large room known as the runaround, which is two stories high and was not used for hardened criminals. The death the death cells 
are at the front of this room and feature doors of two-inch iron strips forged and fused through the use of heat. Bore a borax and hammer since the uh, gel was built before welding was invented. In each wing of the room are two-story metal cells built as rooms within a room and featuring more of the more of the uh, rifted doors. The last gallows were last the last time the gallows were used were in 1921 and were torn torn down in the 1950s. They stood they stood around next to the third floor walkway. The present gallows are an exact replica uh, an exact repu rep oh god. I can't say rep oh god. An exact anyways. It is an an exact duplicate. That's what I was trying to say. An exact duplicate of the original gallows. Large doors at the cell blocks feature small swing swing out doors with bars. From each with the jailer could observe the prisoners and inside. The room the room are lever the room are levers that open and close latches on the cell doors. The jail was built in 1885 and closed in 1975. Damn, they got their money out of that. Almost 100 years old. Where was I at? Okay. It features rebuilt gallows, original cells, sheriffs, and jailers' quarters. Visit the Gonzales County Jail and Museum get a glimpse into working at the uh, jail and living at the jail must have felt like maybe you'll see some ghosts there <laughs> that might be pretty, be pretty fun it was a jail and now it's a museum well 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 time for the next one now, this next one's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fort. Okay, our next story is Fort Martin Scott in Fredericksburg, Texas. Fort Martin Scott, initially called Camp Houston, was one of one of the first federal forts on the frontier of Texas. Established in December of 1848 by Captain Seth Eastman and two infantry companies, the post was located two miles southeast of Fredericksburg on the uh, Barrens Creek. Its object was to protect travelers and settlers along the Fredericksburg-San Antonio Road from Indian attacks. The post was renamed in December of 1849 for Major Martin Scott, who was killed at the Battle of Malina del Rey in 1847. 
the German settlers who had established nearby Fredericksburg had privately established and lasting uh, treaty with the local Comanche Indians. In 1847, however, the treaty did not apply to the settlers living outside the community. Indians who actively traded with the German settlers were often involved in skirmishes as they traveled to and from Fredericksburg. <clears throat> as more and more white uh, families immigrated to the uh, to the traveled rough region, it's nearly led to open warfare in 1850. To avoid this, several tribes along the Indian the Indian agent John Rollins, escorted by his second dragons from the Fort Martin. Uh, from Fort Martin Scott met there in San, uh, met there near the San Saba River. The meeting resulted in Fort Martin Scott uh, ended up okay the meeting resulted in the Fort Martin Scott Treaty, which improved the situation enough to prevent upon hostiles in the next for the next several years. It became less and less necessary to protect the civilians from Indian attacks. And the fort was closed December of 1853. During the Civil War, the post remained unoccupied, but afterwards, in September of 1866, it was filled again with federal troops under the orders from General Philip Sheridan. The occupation was brief, however, however, and was abandoned by the end of the year. In 1986, the Fredericksburg Historical Foundation began to develop the site into a park. It reconstructed several buildings, including the post commander's quarters, six buildings of officers' housings, a soldier's store and warehouse, laundry and a bakery and a hospital. Three uh, barracks and a quartermaster's warehouse. Warehouse and a stable with a barn and a blacksmith shop. The guardhouse made of cut limestone is the only surviving building from the original fort. The site was located two miles east of Fredericksburg, on US 290. What's this one about? And what do we got on this one? Okay, so. All right, guys, I'm going to take my last little breaky and get ready for the last story. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? 
Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth Afaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban le- murders, unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends, we're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every mm-hmm. platform. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's, What's Really, really out, out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. All right. Our next story is the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville. Yeah, Huntsville's got the big prison. Okay. Among Texas prisons, the the state penitentiary in Huntsville is the most haunted. Although the building has not been in use since the early 1950s, the area known as Death Row remains remains active. Those who dare to visit will likely experience these sounds of chains clanging against the cell doors. Some locals report hearing the sound of men crying, terrified of their terrified to their end at terrified for the end at the gallows at the gallows it's been it's been said that those who dare confront those spirits will experience nightmares for weeks to come dreams of having ropes and nights spent in the insane and and the insane, the isolation chambers are all freely com- fairly common. Be sure to bring an MVP recorder with you, and no telling what you might get. All right. Well, this one is a lot. Tells a lot more about it. The prison's first inmates. I'm sorry, this place was built, oh yeah, 1850, not 1950, jackass. Okay, the prison's first inmates arrived on October the 2nd of 1849. The unit was named after the county of Huntsville. Robert Perkinson, the author of Texas Tough, The Rise of American Prison, The Rise of American's Prison Empire who wrote the unit was within Texas, the first public work for any importance. Originally, originally Huntsville unit was only for the white Texans. Uh, back then, they didn't know any better. They were fucking stupid. 
Okay. The only uh, penalties available to black Texans were whipping and hanging. God damn. That's fucked up. You don't give them jail time just straight to the gallows or beat the shit out of them. Anyways, during the American Civil War, prisoners at Huntsville produced tents and uniforms for Confederate forces at the prison's textile factory. After the Civil War ended, Huntsville unit was the only prison in the uh, former Confederate States of America to remain. Beckerson stated that the prison became within the uh, state the first racially integrated public institute. So basically that what that means, they put the white people and the black people together. So there wasn't no uh, divide. Originally women in the originally women in the Texas prison system were housed up in the Huntsville unit. Beginning in 1883, women were housed in the Johnson Farm, a privately owned cotton plantation near Huntsville. During this time, there was some concern that immoral practices may be restored to in regards to the female prisoners. Basically, I guess they weren't getting treated very good. Historically, the prison served as the administration headquarters of the Texas prison system and the Texas Department of Corrections. The superintendent and the other executive officers worked in the prison and all the all of the central officers of the system departments and all of the permanent records were located in the prison. In 1993, John Lomax and Alan Lomax recorded the earliest known recording, This Little Light of Mine, when they recorded Jim Bowd of Jacksonville, Texas, singing, singing at a prison. Well, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. In 1974, the prison was the site of 11 days siege on the one of the... Uh, one of the longest hostage-taking sieges in the United States history. Three armed inmates held several hostages in the uh, education department. The ringleaders had been had been a porter in the chapel and usually worked in the uh, inmates' dining hall. Ten hostages were ten hostages were employees of the prison system. Two were educators, and one was a guard. Later on, the prisoner, the prison chaplain, would also become a hostage. Four prisoners were held as hostages. On the final day, the inmates tried to escape using chalkboards and hostages as shields. One of the guys was killed in the attempt, and the other one was killed besides uh, one of the hostages that got shot. Well, that's pretty sad. And then one of the guys that survived that uh, ordeal, he got executed on May 23rd of 1991. 
He was executed for that chick's murder because he used her as a shield. Well, with that much drama, some, with that much energy and negative energy, no wonder that place is haunted. I mean, really. That's pretty creepy, if you ask me. Oh, well, guys, I hope you all enjoyed them stories today. I'm going to start covering more stuff like that, you know, like prisons, old courthouses and stuff. So, yeah, kind of mix it up, change it up a little bit for you. Just want to say thank you again, guys, for listening to my faithful guy, people who come listen every week. But like I said, <clears throat> you'll have a story you want me to talk about. Hit me up on my DMs on Facebook. You can get a hold of me on my uh, email. It's all lowercase ghost stories told from the south at gmail.com. I'll get back with you. Just want to say thank you guys once again for listening. I'm glad y'all love the show, and I'm going to get some more great stuff to talk about. But if you have been listening to this, this has been Ghost Stories Told from the South. And I have been your host, Stephen Labooth. I hope you have a great and creepy, creepy evening. Excuse me. We'll see you guys later, man. Have a good one. Well, hope you enjoyed that one, guys. That was a pretty good one. Pretty good one. All right. Now, this one is episode 169. This one was during the summer, I believe. <coughs> and this one's about uh, haunted roads and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> hope y'all enjoyed the last one. I hope you're enjoying this mega episode. You want to call it that, I guess. Um, but like I said, guys, I can't thank you enough and sorry sometimes if I'm late doing this, but I'm going to get better next year and we're going to do some cool, scary stuff. So next episode we're going to cover is 169. Like I said, it was Haunted Roads. I did this one during the summer. So without further ado, man, let's listen to it. You guys know the routine, man. Get you a nice warm blanket. Get you some hot cocoa, tea, or coffee. Whatever you like. Poke that fire a little bit. And let's tell some skilly stories. <laughs> I know. I try too hard and I end up sounding like a creep sometimes. I don't mean to. But let's get on with it. This is episode 169. I hope you enjoy, guys and girls. Well, hello. And welcome back to another scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth. And we got some scary, scary stuff for you today, boys and girls. <laughs> got some more scary, spooky roads. <laughs> All right, ma'am. Glad I'm back. Sorry I'm running late today. I usually have these ready for you. But I've been feeling, I was feeling under the weather. My allergies are kicking my rooty poop butt, man. So if I sound a little stuffy this morning, sorry, so sorry. I want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. The numbers are doing great. I'm getting downloads every day, new members every day. Just want to say thank you very much. Don't forget about the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Ghost Stories Told from the South. Uh, go check out the Facebook page. I know I need to get on there more. 
you can get this podcast pretty much on any platform. I'm, I'm, I mean, I got this podcast on any platform out there. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, all that good stuff. So we're doing it. And uh, hey, just to remind everybody, uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast on Stitcher, well, you're probably going to have to change because I've been hearing commercials on other podcasts I listen to saying that uh, towards the end of August, Stitcher's going away for good. So if you listen to me on that, please uh, make arrangements and try to find me on another platform. I am out there everywhere. And if you're watching the YouTube channel today, <coughs> thank you and sorry about the glare. I, I, I'm right by a freaking window. I usually try to do this at night where it's dark and spooky, and I can use my red and blue lights and stuff. But, yeah. But I got a good show for today. I found some uh, goody, 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 goodies. Some sh- a lot of shorties at the end. But, yeah, it's going to be a good show. I'm ready. Uh, and uh, if you guys are ready, I guess I'm ready. And, uh... Let's uh, scare the hell out of each other. What do you say? Or let me scare you. (laughs) All right, ma'am. You know the routine. Get you a nice warm blanket. Snuggle up by that fire. Get you some nice cocoa or some hot coffee. Whatever the hell you want. Poke that fire a little bit and get ready. Sit back and be scared. And uh, don't be going down these roads late at night by yourself. That's all I got to say. All right, everybody. Our first story is about Highway 5 in Alabama. When it comes to hauntings, when it comes to hauntings, Alabama has definitely seen its fair share. For spooky mansions and eerie factories to creepy hotels and haunted cemeteries, there's no telling for your spotted ghost in Alabama. You might even, you might, we're okay. You might even have a ghostly encounter while driving down one of the, one of Alabama's state highways. One highway in particular that is supposedly haunted is Highway 5, which is located in Lynn, Alabama. Here's how, here's one of the scariest ghost stories in Alabama folklore. Many years ago, a rainy night in Lynn, Alabama, a teenage girl was on her way home from the prom with her boyfriend. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. I don't get, and it's so weird, how you can get stories that start out like this, but from different parts of the world. It's like I live down here in Mineral Wells, Texas. Biggest uh, town and stuff close to me is uh, east, uh, west of us. I mean, east of us, about an hour away, Fort Worth, Dallas, Arlington, Irving, Grand Prairie, that whole area right there. But there's a story about a lake, I think it's Lake Worth, where there's a woman in white. Same thing, coming home from a dance. And then there's that story about that girl in Chicago that haunts the road. Same thing, she was coming home from a dance. And, yeah, it's just crazy how 
these stories are kind of the same, but they're different parts of the of the United States. So, well, let's get back into it. Shortly after leaving the prom, they go into an arrangement, and the girl asked her boyfriend to stop and let her out. He did exactly as she requested. So basically, he was making advances towards her and kissing her and trying to be all lovey-lovey. And she was like, stop the car, mother, and let me out. I'm not here for that. Which, you know, that guy shouldn't have left her out in the middle of nowhere either. And he shouldn't have been such a horn dog. But anyways. Okay, stop and let her out. He did exactly as she requested. And she decided to walk the rest of the way home alone. Unfortunately, the teenage girl never made it to her destination. While walking along the side of Highway 5, she was struck by an 18-wheeler. The driver of the truck left the scene and the teenage girl was discovered the following morning in a ditch. Supposedly, if you drive an 18-wheeler down the Highway 5 in Alabama on a rainy night, She'll climb into the side of the truck to see if the driver is the same one who killed her from, from many years ago. This stretch of highway in Lynn is one of the most haunted places in Alabama. Well, that sounds like a good creepy place to go visit. But it's like I said, though. There's many stories like this around the United States about... Uh, you know, a girl walking home from the prom or a dance and it's happening and yeah, but that, I, so if you're uh, from Alabama and you've been up and down that stretch of road, let me know how haunted it really is, guys. All right, let's strap in for the next story. Our next story is Ghost Town Road in Salem, Alabama. And I've got to change my glasses out real quick. I should have done it before I started podcasting. God bless it. Come on, man. All right. We got the old trusty bifocals on now. Ghost Town Road in Alabama. Every town has a haunted location. Everyone tends to stay away from Alabama's Ghost Town Road as one of these areas, and it's surrounded in myth, in legend, in lure. Those who have gone on a paranormal adventure on the haunted road have had many mixed reviews. On one side of the spectrum, you have those which have witness creepy things, then you have the other side which haven't seen anything. The one thing about this place is, unlike unlike other roads, actual murders happen, happened here during the 60s. Ooh, let's see what we got. Okay, where are we at? Okay. The bodies were found along the roadway. The area is also a hot spot for cults of all kinds. 
It's not the kind of place you would you would want to take a paranormal adventure at. There were a rash of church fires that were also to been have started by satanic cult members. Many say a lot of paranormal activity that is happening in the area is because of all the negative activity. That wouldn't make sense if you got a lot of negative activity drawn to this place that it would do that. Sorry, I hit the mic there. The thing about the haunted location like Ghost, uh, Ghost Town Road is the fact that the that they possibly could be dangerous. There were murders that happened on the road along with cult activity. There, this is not the kind of place you would want to go alone on a paranormal adventure. As far as ghosts go in this er in the area, there are numerous stories of spectacle entities moving around the road. One of that one is that a headless man that slowly moves from one side of the road to the other. There are also reports of a hooded figure moving around the woods uh, around the woods, though there's been the uh, pe people think that it's a ghost of a cult member. So if you're ever down that part of road, check it out. It just don't go into detail though about the murders and stuff that happened on this road. Kind of weird. But if you're in Alabama, go check down Ghost Town Road. It's really spooky, and it's got a lot of paranormal activity. <gasps> Excuse me. Just uh, remember what they say. Don't go alone. And I will say this on a lot of these places I cover. Don't just show up and start walking around these places. A lot of these places are privately owned or on private property. Try to get uh, permission before you do it, because I'd hate to see some of my uh, fellow members in jail for trespassing. All right, let's get our next story down. Our next story is Nancy's Mountain Trail. <coughs> That's right. This is a haunted hiking trail. I figured I'd do this because, I mean, trails are just like roads. You know, they take you to a destination. So I figured I would do it. Nancy's Mountain Trail. That's right, this is a haunted hiking trail. Hines Island Park sits 40 minutes outside of the city of Franklin. And on that small piece of land stands one of the most haunted places in Alabama, Nancy's Mountain. Popular for its beautiful trails, hiking trail, beautiful trails and its hiking trails and its pine tree nature in the very Cut Davis Fury, something more sinister, lives on the trails when the sun sets under the horizon and a twilight fades. The legend of Nancy Mountain tells of a family whose son enlisted to go off and fight in the Civil War. 
When word came back to Nancy that her beloved child fell in battle, but his body was never recovered, she picked up a lantern and left to go walk the trails to trails in search of him. It is said that she walks the trails until she passed that she walked the trails until she passed away. Lots of visitors at Lockout Mountain have claimed to have seen a woman holding a lantern hiking the mountain. To this very day, not even death could stop her from searching for her son. Eh. So if you're around Alabama, guys, and that around that mountain, tell me about it. Tell me how spooky it is. Or go check it out and then report it to me. That's another thing I think would be cool. If anybody has any experiences with any of these places I talk about, I don't care if I'm talking about it in the U.S., over in Europe, or any place. Any place I've talked about a story and you have an experience there, please do tell. All right, now this, guys, I found when I was going over uh, Haunted Roads, I found a lot of little short stories about some of the roads in Alabama. So, without further ado, the last part of the show, we're going to cover these bad boys and uh, see how scary they are. So, hope you're ready for a ride. Hope you're ready to be scared, I mean. <laughs> All right, our first story is... AL-169, connecting US-80 to Olympica, to wait, to Opalaka in Lee Russell counties. All-169 runs north from its junction with US-431 in Seattle Russell County to Opalaka in Lee County. It follows the route of a much older road, as evidenced by the spirits seen along it. In their 2011 book, Haunted Auburn in Opalaka, Opalaka, Arthur's Faith Savannah and Michael Smith, Michelle Smith and John Mark Poe detailed two different sightings that have occurred along this road. One apparition is that of a man on horseback who has been seen charging towards terrified drivers before disappearing. Now, that would creep me the hell out. You're driving at night, and you see a man on a horse hauling ass your way. Yeah, I would crap my pants. Uh, they note that the spirit, which might be that of a highwayman active in this area in the mid-19th century. Highwaymen were guys that hung out on these trails uh, of the main trails coming in and out of in and out of towns and would uh, rob people. That was their jobs. Uh, where are we at? 19th century. Has been seen with less and less frequency as the road has been changed over the years. Well, that would make sense if he's used to hunting one spot and y'all move the road or move its way it goes, and it don't go to that wet spot anymore, makes sense. The other apparition is that of a ghostly coach drawn by two horses that, has, that was seen here in 2000. 
So, guys, if you're ever on that stretch road, please, please contact me. Tell me about it. Tell me about some of these crazy, crazy stories. All right. Our next one is Bar Bargainer Road. Montgomery and Macon counties. Bar Bargainer Road stretches from AL 110 in the community of Cecil to Macon County Road 2 near Sh uh, Shorter. The Lonely Country Road is, according to legend, the scene of all types of high strangeness. The road is nicknamed 13 Bridges Road, and drivers at night are supposed to cross 13 bridges headed north from Cecil. Through only cross 10 if you... Though only... Cross ten if they run if they turn around and head back. This type of uh, phenomenon is found on other roads throughout the the country. Okay, yeah, throughout the country. According to investigators and writer Sean Sealers, travelers may encounter apparitions and hear unearthly sounds along the rural route. In fact, he experienced an eerie feeling during a visit where, or visit here when he was in high school. Arthur Jeff Lawhead explores its legend further in its uh, in his 2016 phenomenon fills the southern skies. He describes how some drivers have hit a dog on the road once they get out of their vehicle to examine the dog. They saw the apparition of a woman and child off in the distance. So this ghost, you think you hit a dog, and you go to check out to see if you hit the dog, and you didn't hit the dog, and you see apparition of a uh, child and a woman off in the distance. That would be some creepy stuff. Okay, standing alone on one of the bridges. After sensing a presence... The teen looked around for his friend's car and discovered that he had unknowingly to him been mysteriously transported from one end of the bridge to the other. Now, that would flip the heck out of me right there, guys. I would definitely be uh, needing to change my britches. All right, let's get on with the next one. All right, the next, the next one is Chelsea Road, Hitchhiker, Chelsea Road, uh, Shelby County Road 47, near the intersection with CR 49 and... I just went brain fart. Anyway, CR 49 in Colum Columbiana. Winding is a way from Chelsea to Columbia. Or Columban, Columbina, whatever. I hope I ain't fucking that word up. Chelsea Road is reportedly the home of the ghostly hitchhiker legend. Described by Arthur Kim Johnson as a hippie, the apparition of a woman has been seen uh, walking along the road in a 
flannel shirt and jeans. She sometimes appears walking around the road, while at other times she leaps in front of moving cars. Jesus, see, that would scare me. I would wreck. I would wreck and be like, ah, overcorrect and bam, right into a tree. When the frightened driver steps out of the car to investigate the person that they hit, no, no one is there. Another haunted road, Pumpkin Swamp Road, we've covered that one, which is described later in the article as a short distance from its intersection. So if you guys are ever in that area, tell me about that place. That sounds like a pretty cool place to visit. I don't know if how I'd feel about this uh, crazy-ass hippie ghost chick jumping in front of my car, but yeah. All right, let's get on with the next one. Clinton and Washington Streets, Athens. That's all it says. All right. The local tales of the spirit of the Union Raiders who sacked the city of Athens in 1862. Oh, ransacked the city. Uh, repairing on Clinton and Washington Streets, or reappearing on Clinton and Washington Streets, Arthur Shane Black states that this, phenom this uh, phantom soldier sometimes appears on foggy evenings in the wake of thunderstorms. So if you're ever in this area and you see this guy, it means some thunderstorms are coming, so take shelter. These phantoms appearing on horseback and bearing mournful expressions on their faces are believed to be the members of the English Brigade 3rd Division, 3rd Division who attacked the city under the command of Colin John Basil. The Russian-born and trained colony allowed his soldiers to ransack the city in May of 1862, for which he later faced three charges in a court-martial. So, there's uh, if you're ever in this place, go check it out. Sounds pretty cool. You got some uh, Union soldiers on horseback, so be pretty cool stuff. Our next one is Henry Hill. <laughs> it's named after that gangster, you know, that they did the movie on Goodfellas. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Henry Hill, Henry, <coughs> Henry Hill, Lawrence County Road, 25, Mount Hope. Also, oh, almost as common as crybaby bridges throughout the South are gravity hills. Roads are hill, roads are hills where a car put in neutral will seemingly be pushed upon an incline. Along CR 25, just outside of the community of Mount Hope, is a dip in the road where legend has it a man named Henry was killed. Most versions of the legend have Henry's car breaking down along its road and him trying to push it out of the way. As he pushed his car, Another vehicle struck and killed him. 
when a car is stopped here, Henry still deftly pushes the car to safety to prevent another driver from having to endure seemingly untimely death. A 2007 article from the uh, Florence, Alabama newspaper, the Times Daily, recounts its story of its story a bit different, placing the accident in 1954. It notes that the man was involved in an accident. The man involved in the accident was named Henry Hill. He was a traveling salesman who got lost in its maze of county roads when his car overheated. And, oh, and quite in the middle of the road, he got out. He got out and pushed it. Uh, and it was struck by another vehicle. Excuse me. So this guy's car broke down on the side, broke down in the middle of the road. He was trying to push it out of the way, and he got struck by another vehicle. The article continues by stating that there was also military action in the uh, action in the Vince in the uh, area during the Civil War, which may contribute to the current strange activity. Furthermore, it describes the location of the dip as being located on nearby CR-448. However, all the other sources place the location on CR-25. Perhaps this article is retelling of the legend. So that seems pretty cool. That would kind of make sense, you know, a guy pushing your car out of the way so you wouldn't get hurt because it happened to him. So, yeah, that's that would be uh, pretty wild. There's a place like that here in Texas, in San Antonio, same kind of thing, where a busload of kids got struck by a train and uh, killed everybody in the on the bus, of course. And every, every street in its neighborhood is named after one of the kids that died on the bus. And legend has it, if you put baby powder on the back of your bumper, put your car in neutral, and you put it on the train tracks, that the kids will push your track, your car or vehicle off so you won't get hit. So it's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. If you're around that area, go check that out for me. I think that would be a cool, pl cool place to go visit, something like that. All right, our next one is Mary Daniel Road, Highland Home. The rural dirt road is home to a typical crybaby bridge legend. Though the story had, though the story here has some unique elements. Tra tradition holds the Mary holds that Mary Daniel, who lived along this road in the latter part of the 19th century was a notorious witch. One day, while crossing the brig bridge with her daughter, the child fell into the water. Another version of the legend includes that the child's father diving into the water to rescue the girl, but drowned it as well. The child was laid to rest in a small cemetery nearby. To protect her child, Mary Daniel summoned watchers who haunt the nearby woods, pursuing anyone who disturbs the cemetery after dark. However, 
this may be a case of fiction being stranger than the truth. Being yeah, stranger than the truth. Alongside the road is a small family cemetery for the Daniel family. Within its confi confident confines is the grave of Mary Melissa Daniel, who was born 1846, according to the information on, found on Find a Grave. She was an old maid and the daughter of Abel and Herod Daniel who were also buried here. Being a spinster, she would not have been married or have had ch children. This does not percolate that she may have had a lover or a child out of wedlock. Though that seems unlikely, she was a spinster that may be the reason she entered the legend as a witch. She died in 1920. In his 19 in his 2019 book, Haunted Highways, U.S. Georgia Duding examines its legend and describes some of his paranormal activity here. The apparition of a woman has been seen along the road. The bridge over Little Patasalaga Creek. Sorry if I butchered that up and along the creek itself. Explained bright lights have been seen along the road. He, can, he continues by saying that there is a, there is supposedly a curse on Mary Daniel's gravestone and anyone who tampers with it may be tormented by an evil spirit. Mm. So if anybody out there has any uh, knowledge of this story, Slide into my DMs or email me and tell me. Pumpkin Swamp Road. I'm probably saying this one again. I know we've already covered it. But it's in this uh, pile of stories I accumulated. This old road along the edge of Chelsea City limits its purport to have quite a bit of paranormal activity. Kim Johnson notes that this area was the last refuge of Muscogee Creek natives in the area and it was later inhabited by pioneer families labeling this road the Devers, Devil's Corridor. She notes that residents living along the way have experienced the sound of children playing. as well as seeing shadow dogs and cats in their homes. A fe uh, phantom hitchhiker is known to walk on Chelsea's road, a short distance from the road's tempermis on CR 49. I'm not going to stick too much on that because we've already covered that, that um, stretch of road before. Our next story is on Robertson Road in Elkmont. North of Elkmont in Limestone County, close to the Tennessee state line, Robertson Road stretches for a few miles through farm fields and old lands. Oh, and woodlands. According to the blogger Elkmont, Alabama, 
Anyways, this road is also home to a legend during the Civil War. There was, was a tremendous amount of military activity in the area. Most considered one on a Union fort at the uh, Sulphur Creek Trestle. Legend holds that this road was the scene of the capture and decapitation of a Confederate officer by Union troops in front of his family. As a result, the officer's widow and daughter have been seen riding white horses through the area looking for his head. The Robertson Road resident who reported this to the uh, blog explained that explained that they have seen the apparition while driving the road late at night. The spirit passed through their car and left it very cold inside. That would be creepy. That would creep me out. You're sitting there driving. You see this apparition, and it goes through your car, and you can feel it. That would flip me out. Uh, passed through the car. Okay. A report on... Ghost of America reveals that a woman driving uh, Alabama 127 nearby had a similar experience with spirit, with the spirit demeaning her headlights and turning off her radio as it passed through. That's creepy. So it sits there in the road, and you pass through it, and her radio turned off, and you could feel it when it came. Ah, oh, man. That's weird. Okay, turn the radio off as it passed through. It's possible these reports may be related. Well, if you ever had any experience or you're ever around this road, let me know because it sounds pretty interesting. All right, our last story of the morning. Richard Martin Trail. Trail ahead on Piney Capital Road. This is uh, around Limestone County Road 81, Athens. <laughs> After Union forces captured captured much of the northern Alabama, northern Alabama in 1862, forts were constructed to protect the uh, strate- strategic points, particularly railroad bridges and uh, trestles. Trestles. In 1864, Confederate forces under General Nathaniel Bradford Forrest attempted to severe rail lines through this area and attacked and attacked the fort guarded trestle at Sulphur Creek. However, this fort had a fatal flaw. It was constructed below the and adjacent hills. This flows allowed the attack. This flaw allowed the attacking Confederates to pour fire onto the uh, one to the 1,000 troops, the 1,000 Union troops within the uh, nearby fort. As a result, General Forrest demanded and was granted the un- unconditional surrender. Of the Union forces there. The fort and the trestle were potently destroyed. The battle 
or in the battle entered the annals as the bloodiest battle fought in the north in North Alabama. Union forces lost some 200 men while while Confederates only lost 48. So if you're ever around that place too, go check it out, man. Tell me about it. See a lot of these places, you know, where a battle happened, no matter if you was a Confederate or a Union soldier, I mean, when you died, I mean, you are haunted that area. That's why I'd like to go to some of these old battlefield places to see if I could see any Union ghost or Confederate ghost or something. I think it'd be pretty cool. Gettysburg's another one, they say, that's pretty haunted with a lot of uh, troop activity, so. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed my show this morning. Sorry I was late, but next week it will be first thing Saturday morning. I promise you. And keep checking out my YouTube channel. It's getting bigger and better. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Hit that subscribe button. And you people listening to this on the audio, on Spotify or wherever, leave me a five-star review, four-star review. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think. Same thing on YouTube. Tell me what you think. Uh, I love doing this. I'm glad you guys are listening and uh, giving me a shout out there. So, And if you guys have any stories, please, please send me the information. I'll look it up and talk about it. Or if you have an experience, I will gladly talk about it, guys. So until next time, keep watching my YouTube channel. Keep listening. And when it gets cooler, I got some big plans this year to do some stories around the campfire. I ain't going to do it right now because it's freaking still 90 degrees at night. That's I ain't doing no fire and sitting around at 90 degrees. But when fall comes, that's my goal is to do some stuff like that. But until then, guys, be spooky, be scary. Go check out stuff. Go explore and tell scary stories. But thank you, guys. This has been Stephen Lebu with Ghost Stories Told from the South. You guys hit that subscribe button wherever you're at. Love you guys. Be good. Be scary. I'm out of here. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. I want to say thank you once again for uh, everybody who listens to the show. And please tell your friends about it. And, guys, please, please, please go give me some four or five-star reviews. And some reviews on wherever you listen to this podcast app. I'd really like I'd really like that. That's what helps keep this thing going, guys. So, woo! I'm ready for this uh, new year coming up. I'm going to be on the ball more. Try to get more, more some... Try to get more scary stuff for you. And just want to say thank you guys once again. You guys are the best, man. Um... That's you, I wouldn't be doing this. You know, I mean, I love doing this. I don't make any money off of it at all. But I'm so glad I'm doing it and people are listening. So that's the one good thing. People are listening and enjoying it. Sorry again for the for the inconvenience. But I'm ready for next year. I'm going to be telling a lot of new scary stories. So uh, come listen. Come check it out. Ghost Stories Told from the South with your host, Stephen LaBooth, baby. Woo! But anyways, you guys be good. Have a great New Year's. Be safe. I don't want to be uh, telling a ghost story uh, about you. 
So think about that, guys. Be safe. It's New Year's out. And uh, I guess we'll see you next Saturday, and it will be on time. I know I say that all the time, but this time it will. Anyways, guys, you have a great uh, New Year's. Have a great rest of, uh, rest of the New Year. And uh, I'll see you next year, man. Love you guys. Have a great one. Be scary.